You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. My name is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. All right, there's been a few changes on the show I want to mention to you guys. Uh, we did move our time slot on Adobe to 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, and that's still on Saturdays, but we are changing the release day. So you notice there wasn't a show last week. We were at Podcast Movement, Jabberjaw family out there in Philadelphia trying to get a bunch of work done. So we did not have an episode last week. But this week, you're noticing the show will be coming out on Tuesdays. Um, there's some other shows on Jabberjaw that release the same time. So early Tuesday morning, you should have it available for your commute, uh, your gym routine, whatever you do when you're listening to podcasts, we're going to have it for you on Tuesdays. So stay tuned for that. Uh, this week... We have an awesome guest I sat down with at the Crystal Ballroom, uh, Ringler's down below, uh, Yvette Young from Covet. Um, I know you guys may, if you guys listen to Ray's show, he had her on a few weeks ago as well. Uh, just an amazing guitar player and an awesome person with an amazing story. Uh, she's been through a lot of struggle. Um, just, I'll let you guys hear the episode uh, before I dig into it because there's a lot to digest. And I really appreciate her being so candid and, and uh, forthright with everything. And, and what an amazing person. I had a lot of fun with Yvette. And the show was awesome. 
So uh, check out Covet. Absolutely. They're an amazing band. Uh, let's get some business out of the way uh, before we get into the episode here. Um, there is a, an app called SpeakPipe, and SpeakPipe uh, is a way for you guys to review the show in live time. You can go to the website, Peer Pleasure Pod, or excuse me, PeerPleasurePodcast.com. On the top corner, there should be a deal that says leave a voicemail. Uh, this is awesome because you can do it right from your phone or your tablet, and it leaves a review for the show in real time in high quality audio that we can then use for advertising. We can use, you know, for shout outs and things like that. So if you think of it, head over to the website, peerpleasurepodcast.com, hit up SpeakPipe and leave uh, a voicemail review of the show. I would love that so much if you guys did that. Uh, so take some time, do that if you can. Uh, would really appreciate that. I want to talk about, again, Sticker Ninja. Sticker Ninja has done almost all of our stickers for the show. They're going to be up in the store shortly. They are a fantastic, fantastic company based here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Sticker Ninja PDX is the website. Look them up on Instagram. They have got the best prices in town, and the work is amazing. They did such a good job on the stickers. You guys will see them. You can check them out on the Instagram. Um, I posted pictures of them on there. We're just trying to get them up on the store as soon as possible. Uh, but check out StickerNinjaPDX.com uh, to check those guys out. Awesome. Elena and Justin, thank you so much at Sticker Ninja. We are also... Uh, we are also working on a few more new things with the show, which I'll bring out shortly. Um, but right now, we're not going to mention them, but <laughs> they're on my mind. So, uh, peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website, Instagram, Facebook, all the socials. Hit up SpeakPipe on the website, leave us a voicemail review. And uh, I'm not going to drag this out any further, guys. I'm stoked to be back and stoked to bring you my chat with Yvette Young from Covet. So, absolutely, when you're done listening to this, rate subscribe review if you're not already check out the store shortly for more stickers i know i'm repeating myself but i want to make sure you guys know what's going on and the new release date is tuesdays so don't forget that mark your calendars if you're subscribed it won't matter it'll already automatically download but if you don't see a show on saturday that's why all right guys without further ado let's get into my conversation with yvette young from covet
Yvette Young from Covet, welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> we are at, well, you play in Lola's room, downtown Portland. We are currently at the Ringler's Bar and Grill downstairs. Uh, how's everything going so far with travel as far as, I mean, you guys got in okay? and Yep, it's the first day. Morale is still very high. This is the first day? Yeah, the first day. So you were going to watch us play our first show. Probably oh, we were going to... You know, work out all our kinks and all, all the pedal gear trouble. Uh-huh. <laughs> Perfect. It's always going to be something that goes wrong the first show. Okay. But, I mean, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's our first show with our friends, Lassie Deva, and I'm really excited. I love playing Portland. I like being here a lot. Excellent. Um, it's great. Yeah, it's it's hot. Oh, I think it's yeah. the hottest day of the year. It was surprisingly hot. It's um, nuts. Yeah, usually I'm always cold, but even today I was just like, I wish I could take off my skin. <laughs> Yeah, you can't get any. You can't get any further than you that. Can't. That's well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You could. You take, could. You could. Maybe muscle and then like adipose tissue. Yeah. Just a skeleton. Well, at that point, you're you're just in trouble. <laughs> then you, can, then you can't get warm again. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you could put on a coat. You got to find a balance somewhere. Oh my god. What a visual. <laughs> You're kind of morbid. This is nice. Yeah, this is cool. I am. I guess, uh, yeah, that's a lot of my interviews and stuff end up just going <laughs> south real quick. We can start in the south if yeah, you want. I mean, you can get all fucked up in this. All directions. Uh, well, I love, I love doing these, these podcasts in person because I do a lot over the phone, Skype, and things like that. So in person's nice because we see each other. There's body language. We have more of a communication. So, um, yeah. well, so. I had not heard of you guys before about two months. Like I was telling you before the podcast, Monica sent me your stuff and I was blown away. I was like, oh. let's get this band on the show. I'm so honored. I've been stoked about this for a while now and I've been listening to the music and getting familiar with you guys. And I mean, you've got a really interesting style. I mean, the, the, there's a lot of music. The music seems to be getting a lot more intricate. Um, I know it's always been out there, but this style of music has become bigger and bigger and bigger over the last couple of years where a lot of people, I think, did you start with YouTube? Um, I kind of started posting videos on YouTube just for fun. Um, uh-huh. They were actually really crappy. Um, I uh, Photo booth, like not photo booth, sorry. I used to use um, the whatever movie recorder was on MacBook. I used to just literally iMovie? play into like, or something like iMovie or I QuickTime player. I don't, I forgot the name okay. of the thing, but yeah, it was like the worst quality audio and I just would play on acoustic and post it just okay. for fun. And then, yeah, I guess the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll dig into that too. And I want to go further back, but I've, YouTube seems like a cool platform for people to play music in their room and be, I mean, I don't, they're discovering so many new talented people just from YouTube. It's insane. Like the yeah. people are becoming YouTube stars. Like yeah, it's a it's whole crazy. thing. Whole careers are built on just posting videos in your bedroom. Yeah. It's it a crazy thing. Gives a lot of power to just yourself. I think a lot of the music industry model has changed according to like technology and social media and all of that. Like I think you used to have to depend on like labels and stuff to get you exposure and yeah. utilize their um marketing and PR resources and stuff and these days you can just do that all that yourself mm-hmm. and of course there's talent but I think also you have to be at the right place at the right time That's sure like part of the equation too sure sure yeah. sure and you got to be able to back it up too I mean yeah the, definitely just watching soundcheck I mean I've never seen you guys live of course but I was just watching soundcheck oh, no. it was like <laughs> this is great like I was curious you know uh-huh. like I've, I've done some research and stuff but I also kind of wanted to just like let things be natural, but I, of course I watch some videos live because I always do that with a band. They send me something that's really awesome on record. Yeah. 
but you I'll immediately sure. go watch it live. And if there's not a decent quality live video, of course, I don't judge that. But then I'll look at it like, okay, perfect. Yeah. They got this, you know. And you had all these like guitar playthroughs. And that's how I kind of saw that like, wait, doing acoustic stuff and things like that. Like tons of stuff. I was shocked. Like, cause I was like, how have I not heard of this band before? You know, I should have at this point. Well, but we're pretty new, I think, in the game. So, I mean, I don't blame you. Plus, I think there's like so many bands these days. Sometimes, like, it gets overwhelming. It's yeah. Very like oversaturated, but it's also very cool because you never know what's out there. There's, sure. Like, so much new music constantly. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's jump way back. Like, I want to. I want to know about your childhood and kind of where you came from and and. I love finding out what makes people tick and what makes them create what they create. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of building blocks that lead into these things. So, I mean, we can start at the beginning. Like, where did you grow up? You grew up in California, right? Yeah, I grew up born and raised in San Jose, California. Um, I, my mom and my dad, um, I guess I started in the classical world. They put me, they forced me to do piano when I was four. Okay. So, um, I was like a competitive pianist for a while and then I was in the classical concert circuit. Um, then I picked up violin when I was seven and I, I joined like two orchestras in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, one, my high school orchestra and then one outside of high school called okay. California Youth Symphony. And um, yeah, I guess I just, I did competitions and I, I played classical concerts and okay. I performed a lot on top of going to school, but it was a lot of pressure, I think also because I was expected to get like really high grades and it's kind of hard to like balance school with also like a really rigorous um competitive music life and then also try to find time for your own mental health and and whatnot yeah um i guess i didn't start playing guitar until i got really sick um i just from pressure of the classical world i think and competing i got um sick with an eating disorder and i had to be hospitalized for that and when i was hospitalized that's when i started playing guitar for fun and um, actually, I started. I chose guitar because I would always sneak out to go see rock shows, just because my parents were like, "Oh, you can only listen to classical music." But then I, all my friends like going to see bands, yeah. Um, so they would invite me to go out, and I would like have my parents drive me to go see them in middle school. And then you know, it used to be a bummer because they used to come pick me up at like 9 p.m. sharp, so I could only see half the show. It was just like really strict. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just because I saw all these bands, I was like, I want to do that. Even your band, yeah. I saw. Um, That's hilarious. In, high in high school, you saw us sure, in high school. You know, I'm pretty sure the reason I didn't remember. Well, actually, you guys probably headlined that. So. No, Fall of Troy did. Fall of Troy did. Okay. Yes. So that's why it I don't remember the rest Tara of the Mellos, show. Yes. Which I was going to ask you about because yes. I don't know if you know Nick or uh, uh, Nick we, Reinhardt or you guys are. We played with them on a tour. Okay. Uh, we did a tour with Chon and Tara Mellos and yes. Will Tybee. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't remember who played it after you, because I'm pretty sure my mom and my dad came and picked me Perfect. up and took me home. <laughs> that rock and roll. <laughs> Man, that yeah, that show that was an awesome show, and I remember yeah. it because it was the first. That was the first show I played with Portugal that wasn't. That was on an actual tour. Like I had joined up with them for two shows with Dredge at the Catalyst in so Santa cool. Cruz. And that was like an one-off thing. And then they're like, hey, do you want to keep going? I was like, well, yeah, sure. So we started the first tour at Bottom of the Hill. Whoa. And I saw, so like when I was in high school, Green Day was a big band for me. Yeah. And they played like a free show at Bottom of the Hill for MTV or something. Mike Dirt got his nose broken. So I always, in Alaska where we grew up, we're like, dude, we got to play Bottom of the Hill. One day we'll oh, play Bottom of the Hill. And we so totally cute. did. I'm looking around <laughs> and I was like, dude, this is great. That's so funny. But, 
Anyways. I'm, Did you get your car broken into at that show? No. Wow. No. No, See, we didn't. See, Bob the Hill's like the venue where you, you get your car broken into. Perfect. No, we did not. Okay, well, good. We all got really sick on that tour. Oh, no. I think uh, Zach, got a, we, Zach and I got a viral infection in our lungs, and he lost his voice for two months. He had to write two down on paper months. like what he wanted to say. And wow. uh, Yeah. That sucks. I think we still owe medical bills over in Connecticut somewhere where we ended up going to the ER. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, it's scary how one sickness can just destroy a tour. Exactly. Because <laughs> everyone lives in such close quarters, and you're all breathing in the same gross yeah. air. <laughs> yeah, and it was cold. Like It got really cold on the East Coast after that. Oh, so, like, yeah, it was I can imagine. one of the funnest tours, but one of the worst. Anyway, but uh, um, there was a lot there. So yeah, I, my roots. Classical. Yes, there's a lot there. So uh, forced into playing piano. Do you have a very traditional family? Like, yeah, very conservative China? and traditional from China. Okay. Um, they, we, my historically, my my family has always been full of classical musicians. Like my mom and my dad play accordion. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom doesn't really anymore. My dad uh, composed. He went to San Francisco Conservatory of Music, studied conducting and composition. Um, so they immersed me fully in like the classical route. My cousin is a, um, I guess a professional touring pianist uh-huh. um, she plays like mostly like the difference is everyone in my family plays their, um, other people's music but I guess I just I was in orchestra I did the classical piano thing I just as much as I enjoy playing other people's music I also I think where I get off is I like writing my own music yeah 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 so um, when I was in the hospital I, I would just write like probably really cringy lyrics <laughs> about like I don't know like being shackled and wanting to spread my wings and fly or something I don't know <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like a direct line <laughs> that I think every young child in Utah has those lyrics okay. somewhere yeah just being oppressed and well, put I, down I'm so glad that <laughs> that that music is not recorded somewhere oh see that's what that see that I wish it was oh, I would you just learn cringe. from that stuff <laughs> you know if you could go back to that like I think I illustrated it too to make okay. it worse, like the, the lyrics about being shackled. And oh my God! Like wanting to spread Chain my wings, wings and fly. I listened to a lot of Evanescence at the time. Oh my God! <laughs> Pretty much wanted to be Amy Lee. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in the hospital, I started writing my own lyrics and my own music, and I only knew chords at the time. Um, I like learned some basic chords from a chord chart. Yeah. And then. It was not till college when I was like 19 or 20 when I really started to, um, probably when I was 20 when I really started to explore guitar because I discovered a band like American Football and mm-hmm. this Japanese band called Toe and they played in open tunings and I always thought it sounded so intricate and beautiful and I was like, I started learning some of their stuff and I was like, wait a minute, I can do this. So <laughs> I just like started to try to write a song every week. Yeah. Um, I didn't have much of a social life in college, never partied, never really went out. I was an art student, so okay. I would basically wake up at eight, go to the studio and paint and draw, and then I'd come back and I'd do my homework and then I would just work on music until like 3 a.m. and then repeat, so. Wow. Um, yeah, it was like a really cool time of growth for me. Yeah. Because college is also liberating because I no longer had to come home by nine, mm-hmm. <laughs> just because, you know, Parents didn't want me to stay out for the rock and roll too late. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I really started going to shows when I was in L.A. too. Um, uh-huh. And I could stay out as late as possible. I started my first garage band when I was in L.A. Um, yeah, it was really fun. I, rem- I remember the feeling I got the first time playing with other musicians and um, feeling us all lock in. Mm-hmm. I was just like, whoa, because it's like I only have what's in my head. I only have yeah. what 
I play. And then having a band just filled out the sound so much and added so much cool structure. Yeah. Um, another thing was I was used to writing music as a solo guitar player. So a lot of the style, the way I play comes from trying to sound as full as possible mm -hmm. as one person. So I use like a lot of the open strings as like bass parts. And yeah. um, the tappy stuff is like just very busy sounding. Um, I think um, that comes from trying to sound really full by yourself. And also because it's like piano. Like kind of like tapping on the guitar is akin to playing on a keyboard. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, P picking up notes wherever you can and. Yeah, so it's cool because I got to recontextualize techniques that I already had from playing piano. Like uh -huh. you use the finger dexterity for guitar techniques that I guess use that require that same dexterity. Yeah, well, they say playing piano is one of the best instruments to learn first. Yes. To get an understanding of, of music in general. Absolutely, because it's linear. There's only one position for every chord, mm -hmm. and it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you develop your finger dexterity, and I think really important for me was um, like getting a sense of polyphony, um, because you have to have like a bunch of different voices, especially in Baroque music. You can have up to like five different voices at the same time. And you have to be able to play all of them with your right and left hand mm -hmm. and keep track of all of them. Um, <laughs> it's a lot to think about. So I think I definitely was inspired for my own stuff, um, trying to accomplish that sort of polyphony with the tapping stuff. And also I think it's important because it really developed my ear. And mm -hmm. I think I don't r really write on guitar pro anything. The way I write is actually quite stupid and counterproductive. It's literally I just like hum something in my head and then I find it on guitar and then I just play it for seven hours until it clicks <laughs> wow so you yeah. got that so you at least out of everything like your parents forcing you to do things like you got some work ethic yes. and some drive but yes. i think a lot of that from what you're telling me comes from you like it would be there anyway <laughs> you know what i mean i'm a very detail oriented and focused person so i think and perfectionist of course so i think um for me i get a lot of Okay, this is probably going to another topic, but for no, me, it's we like... No, got, we, got, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like talking a lot. This is good. Um, I feel really empowered by every time I'm, I'm able to like teach myself something. So for me, like learning, picking up new techniques and like learning a song, like hearing a song, concept, uh, um, conceptualizing a song, and then being able to execute it mm -hmm. and like learn it, it's like really empowering to me. It gives me like a rush. Sure. Because... It's like you get a new superpower, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And you did that yourself. So um, I think for me, what drives me is um, going back to the whole social media thing. Mm -hmm. These days, I don't really post that much on YouTube, but I do a lot of Instagram clips and stuff. Mm -hmm. For me, I'll write a riff and I'll post it to Instagram, and I use that as a way to incentivize myself to complete a song. Okay. So, um, and I'll also sit there and play that riff for like seven hours straight until I get it perfect because it makes you accountable to your your followers that hey yeah. now they've seen it now i gotta finish it exactly and people will okay. ask about riffs like people have a really good memory and they'll, be, they'll like cite some mm -hmm. riff i posted like two years ago that i forgot about they're like when's that gonna be finished so <laughs> to me it's kind of fun um getting to like also sneak preview something and then like show them the finished product yeah. and it's nice to like a b it because sometimes the riff will totally change and yeah sometimes it's in a completely unprecedented context um, yeah, I guess what was I talking about? Oh well, yeah, discipline. Yeah. Um, my the one thing that translated from my classical upbringing, aside from finger dexterity and um, my ear, I think is developing a, 
efficient ways to practice and memorize large amounts of music. Because mm -hmm. back in the classical days, I'd have to memorize like 40 minute concertos, and that's just a lot of material to to memorize. So yeah. I think for me, um, I just automatically I do these things and I practice that end up helping me remember things. Mm -hmm. And then I also practice in a way where I don't waste time. Like even though I'm sitting there for seven hours, it's not like I'm making the same mistakes over and over again. I, I like chunk it into little bits mm -hmm. and I like um, try to get those little bits smooth and I bridge it all together. It's kind of like a game for me. <laughs> I think playing guitar is like my video game. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's similar. Yeah, very similar. And one thing is. I noticed after watching you play guitar is you have a very firm handshake. And oh. it, it was like, man, Whoa. that's perfect. That's a big deal right there. You know, like, and I was just thinking like all that, all those hours practicing guitar. Like you have this like finger strength. That's just I'm just imagining like crushing I was shocked. Your hand. I was just like, this is wow. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. I, did you know I have a broken finger? I didn't know. Yeah. It's broken now. Yeah, it's broken here. Um, Why is it not? Uh, oh my God. Yeah. it's. It looks like a French fry from McDonald's. The other ones are straight. What? So it's broken now. Like here, it's touch the middle of it. Oh, <laughs> good lord! Yeah, I don't know if people can hear it. I, yeah, they probably won't. It's <laughs> it, that is weird. So, um, it, it, did you? How long ago did you break it? I broke it when I was in um, middle school, I believe, uh, before a piano competition. Uh -huh. I went to go see Yo-Yo Ma perform, uh -huh. and then afterwards I tripped. No, it wasn't Yo-Yo Ma. It was Long Long. There's this pianist called Long Long, and afterwards I was walking down some steps. There was like this beautiful performance hall and there was just a huge flight of stairs going down yeah. and I just pulled the classic trip and tumble down all the stairs <laughs> in my concert dress uh -huh. um, and then I broke my finger. So. Per and so how did the show go? Uh, you mean the comp uh, the show? The competition, like the you said, it was a competition. So, so this is where my brutal parents, okay. bless them, come into play. It was still broken. Uh -huh. I wore a cast. My mom was like, take off the cast. You're still doing the competition. So I had to practice with a broken finger, and then I did the competition with a broken finger. And that's why it didn't heal right. <laughs> and now it's all... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it hurt. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. That is weird, but it still works fine. And you're still doing your thing. Yeah. It, it does affect my, my ability to fret stuff on guitar because yeah. it'll lock up uh -huh. sometimes. So I have to like literally just click it out. Oh, my God. And then when it gets cold, it hurts. Okay. Yep. Well, you're good today then. <laughs> yeah. No excuse, guys. You have to practice even if you break all your fingers. Well, jumping back to <laughs> what you're saying about... Um, uh, Instagram. You post clips on Instagram to kind of have that accountability. Yeah. Do you think that goes back to putting pressure on your, like, almost a comfort zone? Like, you grew up having so much pressure put on you that you now put it on yourself, but it's on your terms. But you still, do you need that to complete the, the songs? I mean, do you think if you stopped doing that today, you'd be as productive? Or yeah. do you need that pressure? One, one thing super important to me is that I always make music just for myself. Mm -hmm. Like... Even if I'm, you know, signed to a label, and even if, um, you know, uh, people have opinions on what I should do with my band, like, what's really important for me is that I'm writing music that I would want to hear for myself, mm -hmm. and I'm writing stuff that, like, I enjoy performing. Admittedly, tonight, because I've progressed so much from the last album, there's some songs where I'm just not feeling anymore, yeah. but I guess they're still, like, a part of my history, so it's important to acknowledge, but for me, I never want to write for any other reason other than like pleasing myself which mm -hmm. I guess it's like it sounds hedonistic but it's kind of my way of of keeping it for myself and keeping my passion for it alive because mm -hmm. I think once you start catering to like the million voices pulling you in different directions yeah. that's when your original 
um, vision and I think sometimes artistic integrity gets diluted. Um, so going back to your original question, I think one thing that's really important to me is if even if I didn't have all this social media mm-hmm. and all this validation from it, um, I would still want to write music just to please myself. Yeah. Because um, okay. I get such a kick when I write a, a lick and it's like kind of nasty. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like no one's there to watch me. I wish we had this on video. This face is amazing. <laughs> yeah, like... Like, no one's watching me. It's not like I'm doing that for anyone. I'm literally yeah. just sitting there just, like, crinkling my nose because I'm like, oh, I'm so excited <laughs> to show this to my band later. But that's the joy of writing. That's yeah. Like, for me, it's so beautiful creating something out of nothing. And I think it shouldn't matter if anyone's watching. Sure. Um, but then, you know, maybe I'm being idealistic about it and naive. Um, so I guess there's always a reason. But it's, it's hard to live in this world and not seek validation. Yeah. So it's kind of like... You have to compromise sometimes. But it's something that I keep aware of in the back of my mind all the time doing this is like, I just want to do it for myself at the end of the day. Um, That's why you have to do it. It won't have any longevity. I mean, you you won't handle the, the downs. Yes. If you can't enjoy the downs while you're there. You yeah, know what I mean? Like exactly. you're still doing what you want to do. If I was doing this for someone else, like I would crumble at the first difficulty because it's like, well, I'm not... There's like a job then. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a job at the end of the day, but it's a job that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like an interesting challenge um, to see going forward if I can still maintain that integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you said I want to go back. I want to go back and touch on this before we move forward. But you you, you put a lot of things in there growing up. You, you were in the hospital for an eating disorder. That stemmed from how your parents how you were being not how you're being raised necessarily but the the pressure and i mean what happened there what i don't want to go to a super dark spot but like oh, we, you, we talked about peeling away our skin and adipose well yeah and that, okay so go <laughs> to the darkest place <laughs> even. so what for one what what were you hospitalized for and then the other is, what do you think really led up to that? Like, what kind of things were happening that led to that? So, I was hospitalized for anorexia nervosa, which okay. is when you just don't want to eat anymore. That's the body dysmorphia stuff where yeah. you think you're... Okay. Yeah. I okay. was... I imagined myself... Okay, first of all, I, I used to be 180 pounds at in sixth grade, so I was teased a lot growing up, and then I lost it all in one summer. I went from 180 pounds to 84 pounds. And one Holy summer, so I came back to school and nobody recognized me and people treated me completely differently, which is kind of crazy. Like even my own family had that I hadn't seen, like they didn't recognize me. Um, so unfortunately, one of the side effects of losing weight that quickly is your heart shrinks because at a certain point, you don't have any more fat in your body to metabolize and, uh-huh. and eat. So your body starts cannibalizing your heart tissue and your brain tissue so one of the other side effects is that your short-term memory suffers because your brain is almost entirely fat yeah so when you don't have enough fat in your body to eat your your body is just like all right survival mode we're just going to take the fat from your brain and we're going to take the muscle tissue from your heart so i actually got hospitalized because my heart stopped beating like it started i would just randomly stop and that's dangerous because if it stops like that for too long, you can deprive yourself of oxygen. A lot of processes can go wrong. So they actually discovered that when I slept, sometimes I would flatline and then I'd like go out of that. 
So it's actually a pretty big miracle I'm alive here <laughs> talking to yeah. you. And I'm totally fine. Um, it was a process. But um, yeah, so I was hospitalized just because my heart didn't work anymore. I was put on an entirely liquid <sighs> diet. Um, and I was put on a heart rate monitor. And basically, I was in and out of the hospital for about um, from eighth grade is when I got hospitalized to the end of uh, high school. So it was just on and off. Uh, I didn't really have much of a high school experience. I would show up to class and then just not be there for a month. Then I'd come back. I had to do a lot of my tests and finals like in a hospital. <laughs> so it was just funny. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was a You're wild You're saying all life. this with a smile on your face. It's insane. <laughs> I, I, I've never heard any of this kind of stuff before. Like, really? I, I talk about drugs and all this awful shit but never and depression and suicide and but i've never spoken to someone with an eating disorder like and i had no idea any of that stuff happens yeah fire away if you have any questions well the big thing is my listenership like i get emails all the time when someone you know is talking about their drug addiction or their depression and things like that, which I suffer from, well, they call it massive depressive disorder. Yeah. I was on medicine for a while. It made me feel really weird and just like middle ground all the time, which felt really fake to me. Yeah. So I stopped taking it and I've been off of it for a while, but so I, I understand some of the ups and downs and things like that, but I've never been like hospitalized for anything like that or anything. So this is, and hearing that, like your heart, what happened to your heart and your brain, like it makes sense because muscle and fat. Yeah. Um, but I had no idea that your body does that. There's a lot of crazy side effects. You also start growing body hair to compensate for the lack of heat. So your body is like literally going into ha- like, oh my God, I got to survive winter. So I'm just going to grow hair. <laughs> yeah, so kind of gnarly. Oh, but Wow. Yeah. Um, so wait, what, what? When you did, your parents notice you were dropping all this weight. I mean, they see you every day when you're that old, so it's yeah. probably not as shocking. When did they notice something was wrong? So my friend, who actually was anorexic at the time, um, actually told on me at school, and so they, my parents had no idea. My pediatrician was like, "Hell yeah, Yvette's losing weight!" Like doing a good job. she was, everyone was really encouraging me, and they were like, "You look so great," and like always. So for me. I was like, okay, I guess I have the green light to just starve myself. And I'm that's what you're doing. It was starving. The anorexia is the starve, not the the binge and purge. Yeah, I it's never just not eating. I never threw up. However, I did something called exercise purging, which is I would run 15 miles every day. So on top of not eating, like I literally got to a point where to lose all that weight that quickly. This is you might have to war- mark this episode with like a trigger warning or something, because for a lot of people with eating disorders, hearing about this like kind of like awakens like okay. maybe the okay. disorder so just i guess warning warning i, I absolutely people. will i absolutely um, will that's this, this part because it's kind of like almost like an instructional thing for people trying to develop the disorder which is kind of fucked yeah. up but um at a certain point to lose weight that quickly i was eating an apple a day and then running 15 miles and then a few times i, I got so unhealthy that i would just faint and while you're I running would, he, uh, while I was running I would faint I wouldn't tell my family um, one time I was surfing in Maui and I actually passed out in the ocean and I just I this another miracle I'm alive um, I woke up on the next beach over like I didn't drift out to sea miraculously I passed out in the water because I hadn't eaten all day and I drifted to the next 
beach over. So, and then I had to I walked back. <laughs> so Maui was that Kihei? Yeah, actually, yeah, I think it I've was been Kihei. There. Yeah. There's like a couple. Yeah, Kihei and. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, as you can see, it's dangerous for a person with an eating disorder to engage in rigorous activity because you can just pass out at any time. Um, your body starts to bruise really easily. I had like huge bruises on my back from compulsive overexercising. So just because you're so bony yeah. and you do the same repetitive motion uh -huh. every day, you just start developing marks on your body from literally lying down and your bones like pressing against your skin. So you bruise from the inside and the outside. Yeah, um, you bruise from the inside and insane. outside. fucking insane. It's pretty gnarly. Like it's not a fun, glamorous thing. Well, of I, course not. Yeah. Um, so I guess what started it was just, you know, I think eating disorders are pretty misunderstood and they're still pretty mysterious as to what are the exact conditions to make someone develop this kind of thing. So a common denominator in all cases, um, for a while I wanted to be an art therapist, by uh -huh. the way. I wanted to okay. actually work with people at the hospital, who um, music and art therapists. Um, I'm going to tie this into music at the end. No, this is, this is great. This, this is, is relevant. Um, this is the real things I want people to hear. You know, like you've done gear podcasts and yeah. things like that. Like this is the stuff that, that, I mean, this is real life. Yeah, it is real this life. This is what it's this show's about. application of what music and art can do for a person. But anyway, so how it started was the common denominator for all cases, if, if most cases, I think, um, is a lack of control in your life. So for me, it was I didn't really have any life for myself. I, I did the whole competitive piano thing for my parents. It was very high pressure. If I didn't win a competition, I would probably get um, punished for it. Um, so for me, it created this really unhealthy idea of what perfection is, and it created really unhealthy expectations for myself. And I didn't know how to deal with failure gracefully. Um, so for for me, I turned to counting calories, over-exercising, and my body, like fixating on parts of my body as a way to control myself. Um, and it's like, it's an addiction, first of all. Yeah. Eating disorder is completely, it's like the same chemicals are, that you get from smoking a cigarette or something. It's mm -hmm. like you wanna, you, you deprive yourself of food and you over-exercise because it gives you that euphoric, like. The dopamine or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the dopamine release. Also, um, it's a form of self-harm. It's like cutting. Mm -hmm. I also did that at the same time because really? I, was, I was very depressed. So, so I think all of this happened because I had no control in my life. I was very, very depressed. Um, teenagers are susceptible to it because that time of your life is when you, your body is developing. Yep. You're getting curves. Mm -hmm. Your body's changing. Some people don't know how to handle that kind of change in their body. Yep. And they're freaked out at suddenly having hips or having extra fat on their legs. So... Um, and then combine that with um, the hormone peaks that occur when you're going through puberty. Yeah. It's like a recipe for it almost. Yeah. And certain um, perfectionist, sensitive, artistic personalities are extra prone to it. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess because of the way my family dynamics played out, I couldn't really talk about my problems with my parents. And I just kind of kept all of this bottled up. I started really abusing my own body be it physically with cutting and um, starving myself. I, I remember I wanted to feel like, I mean, I joked about the skeleton thing, but at the time I was like, it would be so sick if I could just be like bone. I want to feel as small as possible. I want to take up as little space as possible because I think for me, I felt like a burden on a lot of people and I felt like a burden on my family. 
Um, so I thought the best way would be to like physically reduce myself. Um, it's like a very strange phenomenon. I think it makes sense. It makes absolute sense to me what you're saying. Yeah. Like um, I can see it in my head. Like what you're thinking is. Yeah. It's it's like a very ab feel abstract like. concept too. But also physically counting things like for me was really gratifying because um, I really enjoyed how if you literally just count the calories, count the grams of I have an Excel document. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would plan out every day's food and the next day's food and I would only eat off that document and um, if I went over I'd freak out like it was really unhealthy um, I remember one time I ate a um, a Cheez-It extra <laughs> and I was like in the bathroom sobbing it's so irrational but like just thinking reflecting on that I'm like man I've come a long way <laughs> yeah that's this yeah. is why I want to talk about this because I want to touch on everything else going forward from it but I want to to understand where you were coming from, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I grew up in a Mormon household in Alaska, you know, no real, like, it's hard, I don't know how to <laughs> say it correctly because of the, like this, there's like a stereotype for everything, right? There's like the stereotypical white family, there's a stereotypical black family, there's a stereotypical Asian family. Mm -hmm. And the, the Asian stereotype that I hear most of is the very like, learn piano yeah no pets no shoes in the house things like little things like that where yeah. white carpets like little things like that like which we don't, I don't talk about our emotions which is probably the number one thing that actually led to it okay so i mean your parents are your parents still together mm -hmm. still alive still together yes do has anything changed for them through all of these things that, do you have brothers and sisters i'm an only child of course okay so <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, it's like crazy. A recipe. I hate I hate stereotyping. I yeah. hate it. I hate it so much. Of course, but there's because truth it in makes it. you feel wrong. Like it makes you feel like you're like not judging, but you're prejudging people. Yeah. Um, I I won't be offended by anything you say because honestly, stereotypes are there because they're sometimes they can be accurate. Like I don't think they're accurate in all cases, but I mean they're kind of generalizations. Yeah. And I yeah. think sometimes there's a little bit of truth to them, but. Um, I'm not speaking for all stereotypes, but for the one that you might be saying about Asian families, I'd say that, yes, we are not very good communicators amongst ourselves. Um, yeah. Mental illness is a huge taboo in the Asian community. Like, nobody, if you See, have it. I didn't it, know this until we've talked now. Like, yeah. I wouldn't even think about it. Yeah, like, nobody talks about their problems in, Asian, in most Asian families. And if you are suffering, you have to kind of keep it hidden. Um, and um, you're supposed to be tough. I mean, I grew up... First of all, my mom wanted me to be a boy because in Asian culture, um, well, also girls have a hard life in general. But my mom, in Asian culture, it's like good to ha have a boy because you carry the family name, yes. you know? Yes, okay, so yeah. Mm -hmm. She wanted me to be a boy. In some ways, she raised me to be like a boy. Um, so I think I had a lot of issues with confronting my emotions and like talking about them and being able to express them, mm -hmm. which is kind of hard for me because I know I'm a very emotional person. I'm very sensitive. Um, I think part of it is just how I am, but also it's nurture. Like I had to be, according to my family situation, uh, I had to always be reading people and like kind of reading the subtext of things and monitoring everyone's happiness because a fight could happen at any time. Mm -hmm. So for me, like to have to bottle that up, it just it leads to sickness. Like it just leads to some addiction. It leads to self harm. It leads yeah. to just depression. That's an insane amount of pressure to put on a child. Yeah, I mean, and on top of that, balance school, and then you have to win that piano competition or yeah. else you'll get beat. So it's like <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs>
What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. PeerPleasure.SupportingCast.FM 
is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. It's like, how do you learn to deal with loss and be humble at all? Like, cause you're if you're never losing things, you're never, you know, second best at something, you can get really, it can get really weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like being in a band, like, like you said, when you're, if you're on a label, you got all these people in your corner, you got yes men around you all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're at a certain level and you're like, uh, I want to do this. Yeah. Sounds great, man. Because of course they're getting paid. Everyone's getting paid. Yeah. When you have people telling you yes all the time, you're the best at this all the time. It can be damaging. Yeah. You know? But you're getting the other end, like you're hiding everything. Yeah. Um, everything. I was told to quit all the time. I think also another cool thing that happened with, like, you know, um, in my family, I would get talked out of doing things all the time because they would say, like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get into orchestra. Like, don't even try. You won't get in. Just because, like, because they don't want to be embarrassed level. if you. Yeah. Didn't. Like, and also, I think it's like it's form of tough love. Like, just saying. Like, don't even try because you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got I got into orchestra and then they're like, you're probably going to get like last chair. And I took those words and I was like, fuck you. Yeah. And I got concert master. So for me, I kind of use negativity to like propel myself forward. Yeah. That doesn't come natural, though. I did that as a survival thing. Like, yeah, if I just let people's words defeat me, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Because mm -hmm. I think um, what I experienced was extreme. I think I wish I had more people supporting me too because I think I can be overly critical now and I don't even know how to celebrate my own victories. Like I don't let myself bask in anything good happening because I'm number one, I'm scared that it'll be taken away from me anytime. Number two, I'm scared that it'll fill my head with ego and I don't want to have an ego because I see how it can disable someone and it can really hinder them from growth. 
Yeah. So I think a healthy balance of having both people who encourage you, but also people who call you out when you need to be called out. Yeah. Um, that's that's the ticket to success right there. <laughs> well, you have such a peaceful demeanor. Like, I mean, I. This is what's crazy. I wouldn't expect you went through any of these things. You know what I mean? Like you, you really have a peaceful, calm Aww. demeanor. You're very well spoken. I mean, you're amazing talent musically, <laughs> and that's something where it could be taken away at any time. You know, mm-hmm. like you broke your finger falling on the stairs. You could easily oh, yeah. your hands are what you're using right now to get through, get to the next town to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so terrifying to think about how it fast is. that can be oh taken my. away. You oh know? my God. Yeah. Uh, um, I quit. I used to love basketball. I stopped mm-hmm. playing basketball just cause it's like hand injuries, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, I think it is humbling to, to think about that. Like, you know, you are never God. You can always get in an accident anytime and have all this taken away. So I think that, that mentality also helped me a lot when I was depressed because I would think like, well, I, I should just be enjoying the moment right now. This moment is all I have in my life. Like, you know, I almost died from that eating disorder. So yeah. to me, it gave me like this new appreciation for, for like life right now. Um, so I don't think too much in the future anymore because, well, let's face it, the future is probably filled with a lot of disappointment but also also really great surprising things like for instance this whole band thing this music thing it was never a dream I let myself have but it just kind of materialized for me and I feel in some ways was handed to me on a silver platter so I was like a lot of people would kill to be in my position right now so I better not take it for granted yeah because you know like I don't even feel like I mean I did a lot of work for it but it's not like something I like thirsted for like you know you know the old saying like to have something you have to like make it your life and you have to yeah. like want it so 10, bad 10,000 hours and everything else like yeah you've, I'm sure you've done that like I've done point. the 10,000 hours <laughs> but you know what I I haven't done is I haven't wanted it so bad I yeah. feel like I kind of just like stupidly stumbled across like <laughs> a room of treasure um but then it makes me really value it because yeah. I'm just like I want to feel like I earned it I want to feel like I deserve it so that's what helps me that's what I guess is like propelling me forward and Mm -hmm. that's like the kind of thing I think about when I want to work hard and I want to get something done is like this is my chance to prove to myself that I deserve this and that it's not just like I'm just like really privileged and lucky yeah um yeah I guess going back to the the yes man thing and um having someone in your life to like keep you in check um I think these days, okay, you were asking if my parents have changed. Yeah, um, if they have changed. Seeing where, I want to get to where you are now eventually here, but yeah, they've seen that now. They know where you are. They've yeah. seen what you've done and what you can do. I think it took them, for a while they were scared, because I, I mean, I'm a UCLA graduate. I uh, did a double major. My background Jesus is, Christ. Uh, I, <laughs> I double majored in fine art. Uh-huh. Um, which was my choice. And then I also took on education, visual performing arts education, because I thought, well, how am I going to apply this practically? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to get to that. Uh, yeah. I, for a while, I was teaching at a school. I was doing touring, and I was teaching at an art school, and I was like working with kids, painting. Um, and it was a really rewarding job, because, uh, man, I have so many thoughts about this. But, okay, so going back to the teaching thing, for me, when I was sick and anorexic, 
one of the things that helped me was music and art because I could express myself. Mm -hmm. It was like therapy without another person. It was like, I can tell this piece of paper anything I want. I can draw this tormented angel with chains around her and write lyrics about it. And we laughed about that. We laughed about that. It's real shit. But it's real shit. Yeah, it is real shit. And it helped me get out the, you know, demons I had inside me. Um, I could write a song and I could make the lyrics as brutally honest as I wanted. Um, and you know, I didn't have to show anyone. I could just write that for me to sing and play. And I did in the hospital at the time. And you know, what magical thing that happened was on top of all the actual medical treatment I received, like teaching me how to eat, putting me on a diet plan, um, having me check in with a clinic every week to regulate my blood pressure and my weight and my heart rate and everything being put on a heart machine and stuff as much as all that helped what made it a permanent solution because all those things are temporary Mm -hmm, like I could mm -hmm. for a while I would be treated and then I would just go out and be like fuck you and I'd get sick again and then I'd just go back in and out um it's it's kind of like treating depression really because you can't just take antidepressants that's like a temporary plug yeah it's a leak is still there Mm -hmm. that hole inside of you is still there you're just putting a plug in it but then that plug's gonna wear down and you can't have that plug there forever. So yep. you have to find like a permanent way to regain control. For me, that was through art and music. And I feel like it took the focus out off of my external appearance and it, it put the focus on what I could do with my hands and what I could create seemingly out of thin air. And it was like really empowering at the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then bringing this to teaching. Um, I, I feel really happy teaching because I get to give these kids like self-esteem sometimes like maybe they don't believe in themselves maybe a lot of these kids are asian and they don't have like families where you could talk about your problems so i'm just like all right well i'm gonna let you draw that jet you know um colliding into towers as violent and awful as that is because if you think that and you feel that and you're angry then just go and draw it it's better than you developing some kind of other disorder it's better to have an outlet for that kind of stuff and you know while you work with kids you can like talk with them and yeah um, earn their trust and they'll tell you about their families so sure. you kind of feel accountable for these kids lives as well um, and then you teach them how to express themselves mm-hmm. in other ways be it like you know writing a song or painting something so to me that was really valuable and that was what I was doing for a while after UCLA mm-hmm. um, and then like music kind of just took off for me at some point and I was no longer able to keep my place at a job because you can't just be like alright so I'm going to just take a week long or sorry a month long break from the school so go ahead and hire a substitute for a month for me and I'll be back you can't do that even though the people I work with were super accommodating probably more accommodating than they should have been and always really supportive but at a certain point I had to just make the the decision to go full-time music and then my parents were kind of scared of that they were like you have a college degree like you, you had so much potential as a classical pianist and stuff and now you're just selling your soul to rock and roll like you know so but I think they were worried, but it, it, you know, it's taken me a, a lot of time to think about it, and I realize it comes from a place of love and fear. They're immigrants, and they yeah. see there's this so much, there's such a cultural disparity, disparity between China and America, and also mm-hmm. communist-torn China, where they were they grew up during the Cultural Revolution, where freedom of choice and individuality wasn't really a valued thing. So yeah. for them to come, move to this country and suddenly see me just rebelling and doing all these things that you know are kind of seemingly scary and not traditional routes for people to take, mm-hmm. like everyone else in my family went to college and like has a real job, um, and you know my dad 
he was um, a composer, conductor. Um, he still does does that for a living and stuff. But for him, it, it was like kind of hard making it in this very competitive cutthroat ro- world. Mm-hmm. Um, for him, seeing me choose the music route is also a little scary because it's personal for yeah. him. It's like, man, I, I better not fail because then it's like seeing his own dream um, crash and burn again. Um, but I think... I was able to prove them wrong because, I mean, it started slowly. Um, we would get in the paper and stuff and be like, you're in the paper? And be like, yeah. I wouldn't tell them anything. They didn't know anything that was going uh-huh. on. They'd, like, his coworker would be like, your daughter's in the paper. <laughs> like, something like that. And he'd be like, what? Um, and then his coworker would be like, my son really likes this guitar player. She's on Instagram all the time. And then he, he oh, showed him and yes. he's like, that's my daughter. What the hell? Yeah. So then he'd be like, can my coworker's son come over and meet you? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. So then he started getting stoked and I invite him to shows. And then I had everyone give him a high five once. Yeah. And that made him feel really happy and warm. So, um, you know, as much pressure as they put me through with a classical background and as hard as they were on me, I harbor no hate or anything. For me, it's just, I think it, the discipline part of it helped me a lot and I know it came out of a place of love even though it was tough love and it was maybe not the best for me but they didn't know what they were doing nobody is born no knowing parent how does. nobody is born knowing how to be a parent you only yeah. act out of your own fears and your your own inadequacies and your own insecurities and you project that whether you like it or not onto your future kids yeah having kids is a huge responsibility like you don't realize how many hang-ups you have about things until you raise a kid and then you think like why am I so worked up about this one yeah. thing like why am I trying to live through my kids so much mm-hmm. like, and then you realize all the things that you didn't accomplish in your life and you're like okay like that's probably why I'm so focused on that yeah it's, it's hard and I sympathize for that um, and you know I think I'm just happy that now they they don't have that fear in them anymore I hope they don't and they know that I'm not like a total fuck up and that I, I created this <laughs> path for myself just being myself so your survivor though that's i mean that's the big thing here that i'm gathering is i mean you have that spirit you know yeah it's a big ha- deal you, have to. you can't learn that you have it or you don't like it you see it all throughout different cultures times everything like there's survivors that come through and and do what they need to do to move forward yeah. you know instead of shutting down yeah and it's so <laughs> easy to shut down like but yeah it's easy, but it doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't get you anywhere. And, you know, you should take time for yourself if you're going through something. But I think the best thing for people who are depressed, and I was freaking depressed. Like, I was, like, wanting to kill myself. Like, anorexia is kind of like a slow suicide, really. Yeah. Because you're just depriving your body and just wanting to waste away. Um, you know, coming from that place, the one thing that kept me alive was, well, you never know what's going to be around the corner for you. So you might as well stick it out and, yeah. like, go forward because that's the only way you can go. As long as you have your life, you can change things in your life and you, you're in control. But the moment you stop being in control of your life is the moment you're dead because you don't really have opportunities to do anything anymore. Yeah. You just threw away your life. So, um, yeah, as hard as it gets, I think the only way to go is forward. Even if you lose everything, at least yeah. you're still alive. You can, like, rebuild yourself as hard as it is. There's people right down the road there in the hospital that don't have a week left. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for us right now, probably yeah. have a good week. I mean, solid. Like, where we can, you know, decide to do something, go somewhere, take a trip, you know? Yeah. You have that tomorrow more than another person does, you know, that's been given a timeline. Absolutely. You know? and, and the I've fact that you shut down only when your body shut down your mechanics exactly that's fucking crazy like your life is a gift and i mean you can choose to like just not take that gift and just throw it away but also like you know it is 
it's beautiful. You can accomplish a lot if you just stick it out. And there's a lot of wonderful surprises waiting for you around the corner. Like this music career that I didn't even know I wanted. Or yeah. now I love it. Like it's for me, it's like I feel alive when I do this. I love, I love meeting people. I love um, playing music for people and getting to make people happy. Yeah. Um, and also I get a chance to be a, a role model for girls who like want to do this too. Like mm-hmm. I think that's really magical and cool because like a big deal yeah it's it's a lot of pressure but it's also really cool yeah um yeah i guess as long as you have your life you can do whatever you really want with it i mean of course like financial there's a lot of limitations and sure. there's like ceilings for people and sure. all that i don't want to sound too like preachy and like you know like naive <laughs> of course there's limitations but um from where we've come through till now with what we've been talking about like it's it's amazing the, the outlook you have, you know, is special, I oh, think. You know, you. it's it's something where I think people are going to pick up on that, you know, or already have, you know, seeing what you're doing or coming into you fresh, like like what I did. I had no idea any of this yeah. stuff happened. <laughs> I just look cool. and I see, man, there's a girl having fun. Like, <laughs> and she's good. Like, this is awesome, you know, and, and uh, we need more people like you. You know what I mean? We need more people like you that are willing to stick it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, for the sake of other people, even you know. I almost threw it away like a bunch of times. Like to me, it's like wow, like that's reckless. But at the time when you are clouded by your own brain chemical imbalance mm-hmm. and like maybe everything around you doesn't seem like it's working out, it's hard to see the silver lining. Yeah. But there is one if you just wait a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you know I got really lucky with this whole music thing, but. It manifests itself in even small ways. Like, I met some really amazing people. Um, I, I, at one point, I, I didn't really like my friends that much because I thought, I think I was, I don't know, I thought they were kind of selfish at the time. But now my friends are just, like, really wonderful people who have such a capacity to give. Mm-hmm. And I realize that's the kind of people I want to surround myself with. Yeah. Um, people who are mostly self-actualized. Um, maybe not perfect, but, like, they just have a good heart. Yeah. Um, I think that's like what for me being in this band and making music is about is like we get to pay it forward as cheesy as that is like you know we were given this chance to play music and I think it's cool like getting to give back and like inspire people and maybe give them hope that they can do this with their lives too or they can at least you know pick up guitar if you're not playing it for 15 years Mm -hmm. or something crazy like that yeah absolutely and (laughs) you have like it's so interesting this whole journey because right now like where you're at I mean everything's firing like it, when you're on stage and everything's hitting everything's hitting everyone you're locked in right everything's going do you get the same kind of release from that as you did from from other things like the when you were trying to you were basically trying with the the cutting and the the eating disorder like you were trying to were you trying to feel something like trying to I mean you were numb and try like you would cut and you would either realize your mortality or feel something different for me like give yourself something that you want to feel like I want to feel this I'm in control right now yeah the best way I can describe it was um I I used it as a way to okay so I used it as a way to numb the pain I felt so I would feel a lot of emotional pain Mm -hmm. right here in my heart and it feels like a tense like just kind of hopeless feeling Mm -hmm. and then the one thing that would distract me from it is if i felt pain elsewhere like it would be a focused pain that i'm inflicting yeah and it would be like i'd forget about the pain in my heart because i'd feel physical pain and it would take me away from that and then also felt like i was doing something about it but it's like 
it's kind of it, it's kind of weird because what I'm doing is I'm hurting myself more, and it's almost like perpetuating the cycle of pain that I feel. Okay. Because I feel like I'm not worth anything or something. I feel like I deserve to feel this pain. I deserve to like take away from myself and and not nourish myself it's kind of like a really defeatist mindset mm-hmm. um and it does come from wanting to like have some kind of control over the situation mm-hmm. it's like pain on your own terms okay um yeah it's but did it hard did to it describe. well it took it took that emotional pain out of you temporarily like it moved it from your heart to somewhere else with music does it do the same thing for you? Like if you're having a hard time or you're having, like you said, you picked up guitar in the hospital and started playing guitar every day. Did that act as the same kind of thing? Pulling that stuff out of you, putting it out into the ether through the guitar? I think... Or is it a different satisfaction you get from the music side? I think for me it's it's a little different because okay. it doesn't come from a, pace, a place of wanting to self-destruct anymore. Mm-hmm. It comes from a, pace, a place of wanting to rebuild and create. Um, that's beautiful. So, yeah, it's. I think you. It's an outlet. I think you can have many outlets for your depression or your mental illness or whatever. Um, things that are some are healthier than others. You can mm-hmm. go and drink mm-hmm. yourself silly. You can you can go and then that numbs you. Mm-hmm. But it's not very productive, and I actually think it hurts your body. Um, you can go uh, cut yourself, and again, that's hurting your body. It's not very productive. Yeah. Um, but then you can also go and, and distract your mind by making something, and that's productive in a literal way, as in you're making something with art and music. But also it's productive because you are building your own skill set, and mm-hmm. you're building your own self-confidence. And then pretty soon you're feeling pretty cool. <laughs> like You can write a song, and you're like... <laughs> You know, I was teased a lot in school, so I didn't have the the, the best self-esteem or self-image. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, I was making music and I was like, wow, like, I feel pretty powerful right now because I just made this song and then people like it. And that's really cool that, yeah. that um, you know, people actually like what I'm m- making. And it comes from my heart. It comes from my mind. Um, and it's very personal to me. So it makes me feel accepted. Okay. Um, and then, you know, on top of it all, you, you get people saying like, wow, that like really inspired me or it lifted me out of my depression. And that's when you get to feel really powerful because you're helping people with it. Yeah. So it's like using your powers for good. Exactly. Exactly. You get that, you get that little boost when, when someone does that and says something to you like that or, you know, yeah. this is the, the awesome part about this whole thing that we're doing right now is when I go back and listen to the music now, I'm going to have a whole other perspective <laughs> on where it comes from and, you know, maybe I'll think about some, some licks, I'll think about you're in there just jamming, like, uh, you know what I mean? When you wrote it, like, face, oh, this is like, going to be great. That's the other thing I noticed. You don't have a guitar face. I don't have a guitar you face. You don't have a guitar face. You don't have the guitar face. Like, you're just calm. My guitar face is resting bitch face. Oh my God. <laughs> I just go. look like I'm having a bad time. Sometimes when I'm live, I have to remind myself to smile. I'm like, people probably think you're miserable right now. And then I look up and like, oh <laughs> like put like a fake smile. <laughs> There's another uh, female guitarist, uh, Asian female guitarist. I'm a huge fan of uh, Wada from Boris. Mm-hmm. I don't even hear that. She's bad. She comes out and just annihilates you and no emotion, no face, <laughs> no sick. blinking. Like, it's just like, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm destroying your your life right now with amazing this music. This wall of like, sound. Yeah, yeah. I'm, your ears. You won't hear tomorrow. I don't care. And then she's gone. Not a word. Not a word. And playing a, a Les Paul that weighs more than she does. Yeah, and Les she's just heavy. shredding it. That's crazy. Anyways, but that's a, a tan- side tangent there. But I noticed like you don't have a guitar face, so it's just like this, just this like concentration. You know, like it's constant. You can see the concentration. Yeah. 
how on stage, how present are you? Like, are you 100% present in what you're doing, or is it a lot of muscle memory? Because what you're doing is very technical, but you have a lot of flair with it. Like, you can tell you're feeling it. You can tell, like, um, there's so, like, it's like Jimi Hendrix, right? Uh, Jimmy Page, like, both guitar pa- players that are fascinating. Jimi Hendrix, very sloppy player. He learned upside down. <laughs> He's adding things where he doesn't need to. So, you, people have said, I'm getting deep for a second here. People, People said, I'm not a spiritual guy, right? But people said, like, certain people can project themselves through their amps, through their music, by their their touch. Like, there's this, like, spiritual thing where they say, that's why, you know, you hear a song, you know it's Hendrix. You hear a song, you know it's so-and-so. But what I've looked at is when I hear someone go try to cover a Hendrix song, they're trying to play it exact to the notes and the music, right? Jimmy didn't play that way so that's why no one sounds like him because he was very just kind of fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing where someone goes I'm going to play Purple Haze they play all the notes and it sounds very mechanical but it's not about the accuracy is it no but your stuff is very technical Mm -hmm. but when I watch it live there's still some give in there like there's still breath you know what I mean like I don't know if I'm going on a tangent here but there's still like this breath in the music like I can feel it's alive like it's not to a grid and yeah. like everything's exact there aren't there are things that aren't exact there's things you do differently like there's I've picked that stuff out to where yeah. like this is real like yes it's laid down the studio this way but live not necessarily I mean it's pretty close but there's yeah. still it's still alive the live game is so different from the studio game yeah in the studio you get to make the perfect version yes. of your music and you get to do whatever the hell you want and whatever crazy thing you want to accomplish that and realize mm-hmm. that. But on stage, you're somewhat limited by your mechanical ability and also you're limited by just how many things you can do at once and mm-hmm. um, your gear. Uh, also, the room's going to be different and you're just a human that makes mistakes. Yeah, I make so many mistakes all the time. To me, the key to keeping sane is laughing them off. Like, if you see me laugh tonight, it's probably because I fucked up real I'm going to be looking for it for sure. Yeah, I, you can call me. I'd be like, she messed up. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> or my bass player, if he plays the wrong note, I'll look at him. I'll uh-huh. be like, you rascal. Like, you. <laughs> like, then you get in the van. You're like, you son of a yeah. bitch. I'm but then you can't, you can't beat, each up, beat each other up over that stuff. Like, maybe when I started out, I used to be like, what was that? Blah, blah, blah. But then, like, you just end up never having fun. So... You know, what I learned is even if you screw up really bad, other than, like, a few nerds in the front who just have, like, are just sitting there cross-armed. Yep. Like, Impress me, bro. blogging on their prog forum, just being like, wow, like, they didn't play every 16th note, uh-huh. like, perfectly, like, uh, quantized or blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, you know, other than a few people who are sitting there to judge, like, most people just want to go come see you and see your energy and spirit on stage. Yeah. And they just are excited to see you. Like, for me, when I went to see you guys, I wasn't there like, this better sound exactly like what I heard on MySpace. Because if it doesn't... Oh, <laughs> there's a lot. There's some guy recorded every song. It's on YouTube, that whole show. Wow. I've had to I've had to pull it out a few times at work because guys are like, you didn't play in that fucking band. And I was like, <laughs> all right, fine. One guy was like, yeah, show me a video. So I just Googled it. And wow. it was like, bottom of the hill. I was like, I remember that show. That's so crazy. And I showed it to him. He's like, all right, fair enough. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but I don't remember. See, what I don't remember is that that I don't remember like you guys hit every note perfectly. I remember the light show was dope. You guys looked really cool on stage, and the song was really powerful. Um, I really like Church Mouth. Like, um, yeah, that song is really 
I, it's just so moody and like nice and I don't yeah. know I remember just how I felt during the whole thing which is really euphoric and excited so it's like the same thing I have to remember that as caught up as I get in the detail and the nitty gritty like I can't be too bummed because as long as we were up there and we played our set relatively accurately yeah. <laughs> um, people are still gonna have fun um, and it's it's just cool that we're up there being vulnerable I guess yeah um, and to answer your question about whether um, I'm in the like thinking about it or just like in another universe. Yeah, yeah. The key for me playing a successful show mm-hmm. is to not be fixated at all on what I'm doing technically. I rely 100% on muscle memory. Um, the only thing I think about are pedal switches okay. because those are things my feet aren't that coordinated yet. I'm yeah. very clumsy with my feet. Um, why I don't do sports, but uh, I have to think about like, all right, you have to hit this delay on the downbeat, or you have to tap exactly to the beat uh-huh. of the song. So those are things I think about that are more mechanical. But I usually try to like feel the music. It's really mm-hmm. important that, because um, I try, I want to write like emotional music, stuff that makes people close their eyes and see something. So yeah. I try to like go to that place that I want people to feel in my head. Yeah, and then hopefully it translates. Um, the, the, the only times I mess up is when I psych myself out and I start thinking about it. And then it's like my hands uh, become uh. rubber. And I'm like, how do I guitar? Oh, I don't shit. know. <laughs> so, I mean, that happened during sound check where I, I literally thought about a part. And then lo and behold, I screwed up and I dropped out for a second. And then I hopped back in. But oh, yeah, it's just, I can't think about it. Do you, do, you, do you loop live at all? Yes, I will tonight. Okay. It's a very easy loop. It's literally just the end of a song, and I hit the loop once, and I stop it, and then okay. it's interlude. Yeah. So even if I mess it up, I can just turn it off and try again. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But there's sometimes where I accidentally turn on the looper when I'm <laughs> playing a song, and then it just starts looping some random section. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like mess. Perfect. So then, yeah. But then we're just noise rock, so. Well, one thing I want to touch on, too, is you're talking about now you're, you can be a role model for people, right, for what you're doing. Who was your role model? Who got who inspired you? Was there one person or was it a whole menagerie of people? You know what I mean? Like was there one person out there that was like, Wow, that's that's why I play guitar? Or that's why I mean or maybe it's your parents. I don't know. Like the So I will say teachers played a great role in me developing the courage to pursue my passions mm-hmm. because I was ready to settle for like a doctor. Like to be a doctor, to be a scientist, or something. For a sorry, I mean, like, sorry, that was douchey. <laughs> Any doctors listening out there, that you're not, mad cool. That and was I don't not mean, douchey at all. I, don't mean to hate I would on be boring <laughs> out of my mind. I mean, okay, maybe I, I am really interested in biology, <laughs> anatomy, and physiology. I think uh-huh. it's amazing. Immunity is so sick. Bodies are crazy cool. Yep. But I am so like just not good with that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I would probably just kill a lot of people if. Just I, yeah, it's just because this isn't like a confession or anything. Yeah. This is like yeah. oh, I'm sorry, just saying bro. like <laughs> like I'm just not a I'm just not doctor material. I think, um, but I guess oh god, what was the question even? I like lost my train of thought. Well, who is your who is oh, your uh, role inspiration role model? Like who teachers? Who is what you are now for you then? Teachers pushed me to to follow my dreams. Like the only reason I became an art major mm-hmm. was because my art teachers in high school are like you're like really good at this, so it would be a really sh- big shame if you just didn't explore this and where it can take you. So that's the only reason why I took up the art major at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then music-wise, I'd say my teachers laid the foundation mm -hmm. for classical music. They gave me the technical dexterity, and they gave me the um, practice discipline um, to do all of it. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, watching bands in high school, going out and getting to see them just express themselves on stage, mm -hmm. and um, I really liked the music. I found a lot of uh, music on MySpace. Um, and then I would just see the shows yeah. broadcast in MySpace and I would go. Um, for me, it was really exciting getting to see these people building their careers on MySpace and then like touring the world and playing shows and seeing people like almost worship them or something. Yeah. Um, myself included at the time. Um, I never thought that I would be up there on stage doing the same thing, but I certainly... Yeah. Um, I dreamt about it. I was like, the only reason I took guitar is because I want to do that. Um, not be worshipped yeah. by any means, but just to be up there and, and have the self-esteem and presence to like command a, an audience. Um, I think that's really cool. Uh, in terms of artists that really inspired me, um, I think uh, I really like this composer named Olafur Arnaltz, but I think my inspiration for him comes from, from more of like a songwriting aspect because mm -hmm. I really love his composition. I really admire his use of minimalism. He really gives a lot of space and lets it breathe, mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because my music's like... It's very dense, yeah. Like it's full, but mm -hmm. I think I've, I'm learning restraint from him because I think part of maturity in songwriting is knowing when to flex and when to let it breathe a bit because yep. if you're flexing all the time there's no contrast and mm -hmm. people can't even appreciate you flexing but if you just kind of chill out and let there be space and then fill it up occasionally that contrast um, note wise and dynamic wise even is like really powerful um, so I really admire his use of that and then I also admire him, him coming from a classical background mm -hmm. and then, you know, doing a lot of stuff with rock and doing a lot of stuff with electronic music. I think it's cool that he's merging both worlds because that's kind of like what I'm, I'm trying to do with my music is like I love post rock. I love like post metal. I love math rock. I like a lot of prog. And I also love classical music because it was my background. Yeah. So for me, it's really cool trying to take like what I learned from playing classical music um, and translating it to like the prog rock, um, post rock, math rock world, and yeah, so I really <laughs> admire him. <laughs> Man, you are a fascinating individual. Oh. This is so cool because, like we we're talking about before, like you were at that show, Bottom of the Hill, and now we're talking on a podcast. Yeah, I, it's what, my second time so seeing you. So <laughs> long later, yeah, it's weird because I didn't see you because you're in the crowd. Of course, yeah. I couldn't see anything. All our <laughs> lights were shut off, and we didn't flash every once in a while. But it's so cool to see how connected things are and how things come back around. And you know what I mean? Like, now I'm getting inspiration from you. Yeah. Not only from this conversation. Well, like, your story is incredibly inspiring. Thank you. Like, I've never... This is one of my favorite episodes I've oh, ever done. Like, the, people ask me all the time, like, what's your favorite episode? And there's two or three that are like, We're really great. And this is in that list. Like, wow. this is, I mean, to where... Like, I think my mouth was open half the... Because I was just like, what? Seri like, what yeah. like what you were saying to me was so intense, but you deliver it in such a way that it's not toned down, but, like, it's real. Like, it's not like a... There's nothing contrived. It's just true, real stuff. And that's what this show's about. Like, this, you know... Yes, we do a lot of musicians. We do a lot of comedians and stuff, but those kind of people are some of the most interesting people in the, in the world because yeah. I mean they're able to like you're doing put yourself out there go on stage every night 
regardless of what's happened that day. Yeah. And get up there and do your thing. You know what I mean? And and from where you're coming from, it's just inspiring. Like I think a lot of people are going to listen to this, and I'll probably get a lot of emails about this episode. Oh, okay. And I, I mean, I hopefully this episode wasn't a trigger for you either no, on not anything. At all. Like, like you mentioned, well, yeah. we'll put that in there, of course. Yeah, just because I'm I'm looking out for other people because sometimes hearing about this stuff yeah. can bring it. But I'm only talking about it. First of all, I think you're doing great work interviewing musicians about the real thing, like the real deal and real life shit, mm-hmm. because people only see a curated version of these people from online, like for myself. Mm-hmm. I don't really post about my struggles on Instagram. Um, everything's thought about kind of, and the thing about social media is you can curate yourself to be whoever you want. Yeah. Um, but I think the real, the reality of the situation is everyone's been through struggles. Nobody's just born knowing what to do and mm-hmm. how to do it. And everyone's been through something shitty and nobody's perfect. We're all human. So yeah. um, I'm really excited to get to talk about all this stuff in this episode because I'm hoping that someone going through that kind of stuff can can find inspiration and be like, oh, wait. So like she struggled with the same thing, but now she's doing this. So mm-hmm. maybe I can lift myself out of it, too. Yeah. Um, and also, I wanted to say, like, you're probably, like, seeing you play that Portugal Man show was also inspiring because, like, you know, you're in, the <laughs> list of, you're in the list of people who I saw who, like, pushed me to, like, want to do this, too. That's so. awesome. So thank you. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. And thank you. I mean, that's just, I mean, like I said, just very inspiring. I mean, this is just a special <laughs> episode. And, and you have the, I'll tell you right now, you have the best publicist in the business with the best roster in the world. And I'm you guys glad. are on it. Like, <sighs> But you belong there. You know what I mean? Like I'm it's. Honored. I went through it the other day. Just I check every once in a while because Monica and I talk all the time, and she always sends me great stuff. And just like going through, I'm just like it's hitting on all cylinders. And you guys are in there. It's like bam, bam, bam. Now that I'm familiar with the band, like you guys belong there. You know what I mean? And well, you guys are doing great stuff. <laughs> what you're creating is amazing and true and honest and beautiful. You know, like it's very. This whole story is very poetic you know for the ups and downs that you've had and i i really value sharing them with me that you've done that you know what i mean like you and i literally just met yeah we've been sitting here for an hour and 11 minutes talking about pretty dense parts of your life you know what i mean and the fact that you're willing to do that you know and let everyone else hear it is very inspiring to me as well and i don't take that lightly and i really appreciate that so well i mean i'm honored that anyone wants to listen to me talk about any of this stuff it will get listened to quite a bit (laughs) and i like i said so where and i and i'm a gear nerd too and we could talk gear and stuff i I love your guitar it's gorgeous that guitar i think you paint it yourself right Uh what just for listeners that are curious what kind of guitar is that it's a seven string um, but so it's yeah, no headstock. Two nothing. that I brought tonight. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a Strandberg CL7. That's okay. the model. Um, it's their fan fret ergonomic guitars, hence the missing headstock. Yeah. A lot of people are like, "Why did you break your guitar?" No, it's not broken. It <laughs> Going was back made, to the eighties, bro. <laughs> yeah, it was made without a headstock. The tuners are at the bottom. Uh-huh. They're fine tuners. Um, the the neck, you can check it out later, is uh, flattened and angled, so it's supposed to help guide your hand going with the ergonomic theme, and it's also super lightweight, um, so it feels surprisingly light, mm-hmm. which is great for a little girl like me. Like I don't have to worry about straining my back. Um, yeah, less paws are heavy. I don't know how Watson does it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and I know she's like small, too, so... Yeah. <laughs> Microscopic. It's insane. Yeah. I was on there was she was at a tall stage last time and I was in the 
front side stage, and I was probably at her waist. <laughs> She's that small. It's wow. insane. I was um, but that's badass. Like, <laughs> I can respect that. Um, so, yeah, I have those two guitars, and then I have two Talmans that are Ibanez. Okay. Um, and uh, I used to play one of those. They're really? the sparkly guitars, right? Like, oh, they come in spark, like a metal flake or whatever they call it. Um, I have a sunburst one, and I have a pink sparkle one. Okay, that I had I, a silver sparkle Talman. Silver sparkle, nice choice. Yes. I love, I love sparkle. It's just, it looks so great on stage, and you just feel like really cool. Yeah. It. Really, yeah. um, like swag. It's very <laughs> millennial of me, but yes, very much swag. I'm right at the year where you can be a millennial or the other one. Okay, like you so can you get choose. to choose. I choose the other one most of the time. <laughs> just like I'm like a self-aware millennial. I'll, like, I'll just roast myself after I take a selfie. I'm like, you there you go. It was the bus stop. Just doing, doing the face with the yeah, selfie. Right. I love that. I try to honk my horn whenever I can and disrupt any kind of that behavior. <laughs> <laughs> or swerve like, Woo! Yeah. But, well, Yvette, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and Thank I know you, you got you got me. all sorts of things you need to be doing right now, or could be doing right now, and it means a lot. I Spend thoroughly the time, you know? enjoyed this, and I cool. enjoyed getting to meet you again outside of a show context. This is awesome. Well, your show context now. Oh, I guess my show context. Well, where can people find you? Maybe someone hears this and wants to reach out. Are you open to that? As far um, I mean, yeah, through uh, your Instagram, or I mean, how do people find you online as far as uh, that goes? So you can like if you want to keep up with stuff, you can follow me on um, Instagram and stuff. I post. A lot. I do a lot of guitar painting mm-hmm. for other people too. So if you like my guitars, you can get yours painted too. And just hit me up on Instagram. It's just at Yvette Young, my name. And then um, I, I'm not very good at DMs just because I get all kinds of interesting, weird stuff in there. So mm-hmm. um, you can email me at yvetteyoungmusic at gmail.com. Okay. And yeah, if you want to say how I um, triggered you or something and get <laughs> mad at me. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you can come and get mad at me via email. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, Yvette, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Yvette Young from Covet. What an amazing person. I know uh, we went to a lot of places, and uh, there was a lot of hard stuff to listen to sometimes. But she lived it, she came through it, and she's doing amazing things now. So hopefully it helps some people out to hear that story. Uh, I know I cherished it quite a bit. being so honest and and awesome so thank you yvette thank you veronica at speakeasy for setting it up and thank you guys for listening so peerpleasurepodcast.com website go to it rate the show or review the show rather on speakpipe the the link is right there totally simple to do i would love it if you guys did that and uh we can start getting some of those shout outs out so appreciate it very much guys thank you for listening every week check out sticker ninja pdx.com for your stickers And as always, we will see you on the radio.
Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.